Are we live? Hi, everybody. I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> Steve Conti, and uh, here we are on Facebook Live with Vicky Ableton. With Game Changers with Vicky Ableton. Aha, uh -huh, so good. Oh. And I'm the DJ. Speak up so we know. Say hi. 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 They're here. And okay, you can turn the tape recorder off. Right? <laughs> and and we have, before we get to like talking about you, Steve, we, we have to talk about how our lives are different than when we met just oh. a few years ago, yeah. like in the 80s. But mm -hmm. but you you were a little late. Why were you a little tardy today, Steve? Tardy? Why? Um, Tell the truth. I don't feel tardy. No, come on. Uh, what were you well, doing? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, oh. you know. Uh, I have some 
some youngins myself. Yeah, and you were like making a little food? Yeah, I was making a little food and putting them to bed and yeah. <laughs> so life's a little different and than it was. Strap hanging. Little, a little different than, uh, than when we first met. We were footloose and fancy free. Yes, that is true. Uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know? And so my kids, Samantha, she'll kill me. Um, Samantha graduated from NYU today from Tisch and I am going to start crying just thinking about it. Um, and we walked around uh, all day long uh, for the last few days. I've been walking around New York and, and grads have been walking around with their caps and gowns and I've been congratulating them. And today, uh, Samantha got to have that love from everybody we passed. It was really, do you want to say hi? Hi. You want to come over and say hi? I won't make you. If you want to, come here. Come My on, beautiful right? girl. Then everyone will know there just wasn't a tape recording of uh, children saying hello. I did 12 she, hours well, ago. Well, the gown's right over there. We can put the cap and the gown on. That's okay. Samantha Abelson. <laughs> There's pictures. She is 21 years old. She's a graduate yeah, of NYU her. Tisch. That's pretty hot. And Harry's behind the camera. Hi, Harry. Hi. Harry was... Uh, I'm just was... wild about Harry. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> and so, so Steve, so you're, so you're a dad now. Has this, like, affected the rock and roll? Uh, no. Oh, that's good. Except, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time cleaning up messes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what else is no? I hang out with rock and roll guys on the road, so, you know. Well, so that's I, kind I, of the best I, of both worlds. I clean up messes there, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I bet that's true. So, Steve and I go back. I, I went down to Bleecker Street. I met um, my old friend Joanne Malazzo down there, and we're in front of, we're walking down the bitter end, Terra Blues, and what was once the rock and roll cafe where we met is now... Wicked Willies, which is... I haven't been there in years, man. I mean, everything is completely different. Kenny's is gone. You know, everything is gone. Yep, I know. Um, the Mac Vince is gone. Oh, I, yeah. It's Red Lion's still there. The Red Lion's still there, but it's different. It doesn't have, like, the glassed-in thing anymore. So, um, I don't want to make you have to turn to, yeah, like, no, talk to me. That's, yeah, yeah, no. Look and at I'm that. showing my bad side, you know, by the way. You know, uh, oh, you know, well, you know, I took the good side. Because it, it's your show. Oh, I, get yeah. it, I get it. You just but talk, it, talk to the back of my head but, or the hand. But I, I'm having like a bad hair day. And also, did you know that I have a shiner? Did you hear? Did you see that on Facebook? No. Okay, so I'm getting looks ready. Looks pretty good to me. Thank you. I'm getting. You, I'm going to show you the picture of what it looks like without the makeup on. Mm. So I'm getting ready to come here for graduation and to do the show with you. And um, I had a meeting with a cabinet. Corner oh. And a sh an immediate shiner That's all what over. That's they all say. So, yeah, by the way. So, you should see the other guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my boyfriend just, no. So anyway, so uh, compromised appearance, but, but look at Steve. So st we actually used to have very similar hair. Our, our style was very close. Our clothes, our hair, very close. And, and the eyeliner. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm guyliner less today. Guyliner so. less. Okay, so let's talk All about. natural. So tell us this about. This is what I really look like. See? <laughs> Tell us about the song that you just played. Uh, that is uh, OK DJ from my Steve County NYC album. Which is a great which, album. Which, uh, thank you, which came out in 2014. Little Steven's Underground Garage picked that up and the made it. The coolest song yeah, of the week. the coolest song of the oh, week and of the month and then of the year, number two, I believe. It, was that the one that was number two? Because I, I wasn't, um, I can't uh, I'm going to get, uh, someone's going to get the 
their head kicked in tonight. Wasn't that like also I've had two? three. I've had three coolest song in the world, so I don't know which was which number. Yeah. But I, I've been in the top five every time. I know I've it's had a, it one. of the so, year. Yeah, of the year. Of the year, which is, which pre- is uh, like again, Bruce pretty, Springsteen is the one who beat you. Yeah, one Bruce year. Springsteen beat me, which you know, yeah, he's Steven's you, boss. I get it. You you can't cry about that too much. So I, I want to say, look, Mitch Weissman's out there. Our friend Mitch. Oh, hey Mitch. Hey Mitch. And Eileen Angel, doing? Michael Houghton's out there watching. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Lori Nelson, Bruce Feldman, Andrew Capolis, Gordon, Gordon Gebert. Do you know you, you know Gordon, right? Keyboard player. Gordon Gecko. <laughs> no. I Different don't. Gordon. Um, Wolf. Wolf. Michael. Alan. Okay, Freddie. I'm saying hi to everybody I see. All right, Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Nimitz. Okay, so, so Steve. Yes. So we've known each other forever. So Steve comes from a musical family, and and your mom. Uh, I, we were chatting on Facebook today. So Rosemary, you and my mom were chatting on Facebook? Well, you know, like, there was a little... I think it was... You know what? It might have been your sister. It wasn't Rosemary. Who was it? Jennifer. It, was, it might have been Jennifer. Huh. So, you come from a musical family. Your mom's a singer. What right. what, what was... And, and your brother... I mean, the brothers of Conti, I called them for many years because they play together and John plays bass. Well, when you were Keats. That's right. I was Keats. Vicky of Keats. Vicky of Keats uh-huh. and the brothers of Conti. So... Okay, so how did it start for you? What, what's, what's, what's the deal with the Conti household? We, um... You can you know, talk to them. We, I we, can hear you. Okay. We grew up um, hearing my parents' record collection. They were huge jazz fans, and my mother was a jazz singer. She, but, okay, so ja- what, what, did ja- what does jazz mean of the kind of singing that she did? Uh, well, she came from the school of, like, Billie Holiday mm-hmm. and... Um, I won't say, I mean, she liked Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan and that, those mm-hmm. heavy scatters, but she was more of the cool school, like Swing, like Keely Smith, mm-hmm. and Louis Prima, mm-hmm. and Sinatra was her big, in fact, Sinatra is the only thing that my parents had in common, so I kind of owe, <laughs> owe my life to Frank. Thank you. Um, Frank kept the, kept the marriage going? Well, four, four he, he instigated it, four kids, yeah, yeah and then being good. Catholic had something to do with it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and uh, so I grew up hearing that music around the house. It was, uh, I heard uh, Nancy Wilson, not from Heart, but right. you know, Nancy Wilson, the jazz singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard uh, Miles Davis, I heard Wes Montgomery on guitar, who, you know, well, I'm all untuned here. Um, who else? Um, yeah, Billie Holiday, and you know, I heard and a lot of classical music as well. So, okay. um, and so your mom's gigging when you're a kid? No, so she had made a record when she was, she had me when she was 19. Wow. 20, just almost 20. Uh-huh. And, Are you uh, the oldest? Yeah, I'm the oldest. Okay. So, uh, that's a nice chord. Very expensive chord, by the way. <laughs> How much does it cost? A million dollars. Um, she uh, had made this record and got pregnant. And so she couldn't really uh, go out and support the record and promote it. So uh, I guess she just... Um, she had one copy of the record. We still Aww. have it somewhere. Aww. And uh, it wasn't like mass produced, but she yeah. like made it in a local studio upstate New York where I came from. I grew up near uh, near Buffalo mm-hmm. and up there I went, like my first schools were Buffalo kindergarten and through fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, Utica, I lived up there. And, uh, wow, that's cold. Yeah, very cold. And, um, and then uh, my parents, uh, my father got a job in New York City and Thank God it got us out of that hellhole of <laughs> Buffalo and uh, 
moved us down here to New Jersey about Wait, an sit, hour. Sit, sit back more so that, that I can kind of see your eyes, because I feel like we're not having a conversation. Yeah, we're not. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we moved to about an hour outside of uh, New York City. Yeah. In New Jersey. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> mumble, the, mumble the Jersey. Uh, no, you, you, have, no Jersey. You, have, you have Jersey Pride. Okay. Shit. Jersey Pride's Come good. Come on, man. Everybody's got to grow up somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a New Yorker, upstate New Yorker, anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I spent my uh, uh, grade school, you know, middle school, high school years there. And I, went, you, to, I went to Rutgers as well, so. Oh, nice. And so when, who starts playing music first, and what are you playing and when? So we moved to uh, Matawan, New yeah. Jersey. And um, then my father and mother split up shortly mm -hmm. thereafter. Um, and we were like... You know the weird kids in the town where the kids with long hair and we're like with a divorced family and like you know it was kind of like uh you know a little bit of a not mayberry but you know because it was a the suburb of new york city but right. it was definitely small town um the burbs you know so and, what uh, where the long hair what influence was oh, the well, well i had short hair uh, because my father was like a, a navy guy you know oh, so yeah. so he would you know time for a haircut to come up zzz, with a razor and the minute they got divorced, that was it. <laughs> no more Long hair. hair for forever. So uh, what, I don't what, think I've what, had short hair since. What influence? Yeah, you've had the hair the whole time I've known you. So, what influenced the hair? Was it the Beatles who influenced the hair? Yeah, I guess you know it was like every every band that I that I liked. I mean, I was probably well, nine or ten years old when I started growing my hair. Yeah. So yeah, it was Beatles, the Stones, it was uh, the Who, it was uh, whoever. Yeah. Jefferson Airplane. Oh yeah, Hendrix. So, so your parents split. So who's who plays music first? You, I assume, because you're the oldest. Uh, well, I started playing drums when oh. we were still in upstate New York. I was a uh -huh. drummer. I wanted you know, Ringo was my hero. Okay. And so I wanted to be Ringo. Mm -hmm. And uh, were you singing? Uh, not yet. Mm -hmm. I was. Uh, I was a drummer, and you know, uh, I had the uh, my school did uh, the Little Drummer Boy mm -hmm. for a Christmas play. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm, the, I'm a real drummer, so I should be the drummer boy. And they said, look, kid, your voice doesn't project. So they gave the part to Arthur Pauly. Your voice didn't project? Arthur Pauly, if you're watching, I haven't seen you in 40 or 50, whatever years, but uh, I'm going to get you. Uh, but I cried. You know, I said, but I'm the drummer. And you know what? They made a special part for me in the play where I Aww. came out and I actually played the drum, followed by a whole little group of angels behind me. And uh, so I was happy. But yeah. uh, so I was the drummer first, and my brother John was the guitar player. Oh, I didn't know that yes. either. Yes. Okay. And John Conti, for those of you in the know. Yes. Okay. He's playing with Southside Johnny for the past 10 years. An I guess, unbelievable so. bass player. Yeah, amazing bass player. Um, so I started, uh, by the time we moved to. Um, Jersey, mm -hmm. I was uh, still heavily into drums um, until about age 11. Then I picked up his guitar one day and realized I could write songs. I wrote my first song, didn't know what I was doing. Do you know what it is? Do you I, remember it? Sure. Go yeah. ahead. Well, Give us a little. It was like I, I, didn't, I didn't know about guitar picks, so I played with my fingernail like this. And yeah. Like, The lyrics are totally silly. <laughs> All right, but, but it's um, not a bad group. Yeah. I'm so, um, and then I thought, well, you know, I, I, if I write songs, I can't be stuck behind the drums. I have to. Good uh, point. 
I have to be out there. So yeah. I started taking, he was already taking guitar lessons. Uh -huh. I started taking guitar lessons from the same teacher. And in about a month, he had been playing for like two years or something. Mm -hmm. And in a month, I just really? zoomed, sur surpassed him. And he, Sorry, John. Yeah, sorry. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And right. he became like one of the greatest bass players in New York City and anywhere. So really. did he start playing bass so that you guys could have a band? What, what, yeah, what well, he said, I guess... You know, we never actually talked about it, but I assume we just said, well, screw this, I'm going to play bass. But I actually taught him how to play drums, and he's a really good drummer now, too. Mm -hmm. Probably a better drummer than I am. And uh, Do you ever play? Yeah, I play yeah. once in a while. Uh -huh. um, in fact, I played on stage with Michael Monroe. We played uh, nice. Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones a few times, which is really hard to play. Because drums is all about stamina. Right. If, if you're not in shape, you know, you could easily cramp up or, or have to stop, you know, and, and I made it through, I was impressed with myself, but I made it, <laughs> made it through the whole song a couple times, and uh, played pretty well, but, um, so John started uh, playing bass, mm -hmm. and became a great bass player, and then we, we had our first, we made our first record, or album, right. in the family living room when we were 9 and 10 years old, or <laughs> 10 and 11 years old, and, uh, you know, I wrote all, all the songs, um, I, actually I think John wrote a couple, and our neighbor, Rick Cohen, uh, wrote a couple too. And uh, so Wait, stop a second. So how was that for a 10-year, 11-year-old to write songs? Well, what comes first? What com lyrics? Music? What came first? Uh, back then, mm -hmm. I believe everything came together. Okay. I, I, I believe I just started, because there were no riffs. It wasn't like I was going... <laughs> So, uh, you know, like that riff I just played, really right. simple little silly things. Yeah. You know, I had one that was like... Very Beatles, you know, kind of feel. It actually sounds Turtles. Um, oh, yeah. oh, no, uh, who is that? Donovan. Oh, Donovan, yeah. That's what it sounded like, right? That's, that, that's 60s, yeah. you know, kind of groove. So, uh... Yeah, my early songs kind of came out all at once, mm -hmm. and then. Um, so you're hearing you're hearing music. Yes, yeah, but, but I'm kind of faking because I didn't have any life experience. Right. So I was trying to write like John Lennon drug songs, <laughs> you know, like I love I'm the Walrus and uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, and you know all the psychedelic Lennon right. songs. That's kind of why I got into songwriting, and um, I had all these crazy like, you know, acid trip kind of lyrics at ten years old. Um, and uh, were you getting high? Uh, no. Yet. Okay. But <laughs> be a few years. It, it wasn't much later for me. So. Uh, yeah. was, uh, I guess about fourteen. Okay. So, uh, but the uh, what I was going to say was the interesting thing that we did mm -hmm. was we had one crappy little cassette recorder. Okay. So how are you going to make? You know, nobody has their own microphones. We figured out which, uh, you know, later when I like studied the Beach Boys, how they made their records and everything. I uh, realized that you know we were doing naturally, intuitively the same kind of thing that they did. They would like take an orchestra and place them around the mic in the order that they wanted to hear it. To hear it, you know, like whatever instrument was the loudest, they put to the back, and whatever instrument was the quietest, they put up in the front. And uh -huh. They'd probably move around the mic, you know, and uh, that's what we did. Drums went way in the back of the room. If I was playing guitar, I would and John would play drums, and if I was playing guitar, I would sit right up like right over the tape recorder and put my face right down to sing into the microphone. And 
so like you know that's how we that's how we did it we got um, we had, it was all about mic placement you know one little crappy tape recorder mic but, right and know. it was just the two of you uh, no and my oh. neighbor Rick uh, who played keyboards mm -hmm. and uh, we still have that I still, in fact one of the songs you ever heard my linoleum album yeah Colonel Julius the song Peace that yeah. ends the album yeah that's from that that's from my first sessions yeah, my, first, voice. my first yeah, sessions. Somebody was saying <clears throat> to make sure to ask you about the crown jewel. Was it the crown jewels they were asking about? Somebody was asking about one of your one of your other projects that you did aside. Because for those of you who don't know, well, we didn't get into all your credits yet, which we'll get to, but you oh. your your whole solo thing has been going on coupled with all this rock and roll other yeah, stuff. Yeah, you gotta pay the rent, you know. Right, you pay the rent with that stuff, but you always, That's you've, my always been doing your, you've always been doing your own thing. I've had some good day jobs. You've had some, we're gonna talk about those day yeah. jobs. Okay, before we get to the day jobs though, so, so when do you realize you can sing? How does that happen? Oh, well, you know, I always sang out of uh, necessity because I was the songwriter. Okay. But I don't think I really hit my stride until, you know, I didn't really kind of figure out what I sounded best singing until many years later. Uh, in fact, I was just going through this with my friend Tony Shanahan. Do you know Tony? I don't think so. Tony plays bass with Patti Smith. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Out there. Um, I saw a picture with you guys in it, though. Were you just with him the other Yeah, day? we saw yeah. Nils Locker the other okay. day. Um, so I was telling Tony, there's a, a producer that lived in um, like Morristown or somewhere near mm -hmm. us in, in Jersey. This guy's name was Tony Camillo. He produced Gladys Knight's Midnight Train to Georgia, right wow. there in his home studio Get out. In, in Jersey. Yeah, so he was like the guy. He was like the, the only like record industry dude, you know, in Jersey. And mm -hmm. my mom knew him. So when I was 15, I made like a demo tape of uh, a bunch of my songs and gave them to him and to get some feedback, mm -hmm. right? And the first thing that he said, which never left my head, was. Make sure that you're singing songs in keys that are good for you. Because I used to write songs sitting on my bed with an electric guitar unplugged. Right. And, you know, in order to hear the chords, I had to, you know, if I was belting a song out, I couldn't right. hear what I was playing. So I would write the way down here, you know, sing a song. And then, like, I recorded the song. My voice didn't pop out, you know. Right. Because it was too low. And, of course, if I had gone and plugged the guitar in and played with a band, you would have never been able to hear me. <laughs> So, you know, until I discovered, like, my belting voice. Um, Did you, I, I okay, because I have a daughter who belts. Did you study to do that? No. You just, no. okay, so how'd you develop it? Uh, you genes, just did. It's genetics. Yeah. You know, my mom, you know, I, I mean, I, in fact, you know, we had those little uh, cassette recorders that ran on batteries, and sometimes when the, when the uh, batteries would run low and you'd record something on it, uh, when you play it back, it plays back like double speed. Right. You know, because the battery was slowing the tape down mm -hmm. originally, and then you put new batteries in it, it speeds up. And I was listening to me singing, and I went, oh, that's my mom. No, wait a minute. That's me. I, I sounded just like my mom. Same phrasing. Wow. Same, because yeah. it's just genetic. I, yeah, you know, yeah. She sang to me when I was in the womb, you know? And so, um, uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, Anyway, so so how so so at what point is your voice? When does your voice become this 
They're, they're, you my, guys. my kids are misbehaving. I think they're you like, spank them. Well, what are they doing? All right, wait. While we're taking a little break, let, there's, let me see if there's some questions because I saw a couple people said hello. Um, hi, Gordon. Gordon. And uh, Gordon, been meaning to get this picture. Oh, it'll, they're having side conversations. Blah, blah, with, blah, with blah, Jeff blah, Hulk blah. says hi. You know I, Jeff? Don't know, I don't know Jeff. Oh, Jeff's um, and Phil, it, these are Facebook friends. Mickey, hi, Mickey. Gigi. Gigi, uh, yes, Shapiro? yes. Gigi and yeah. Sheila, yes, yes, yes. Gigi. Gigi. <laughs> um, Dana Frank. Someone yeah, else hi, back Dana. from the day. Fran Stride. Hi, Fran. All right, Candy. Hi, Candy Clark. Do you know Candy Clark? She was in American Graffiti. Yeah. Which one was she? She she was she she was nominated for an Oscar. She was she was the the oh God. What was her character name? She was the blonde. Who was trying to get? Um, she in the, to, was she in the? She was in the car trying to get Toad to kiss her. Oh, and, yeah, she's beautiful. Oh, she, she was wasn't. In, she wasn't the, the one in the in the Thunderbird, the T Bird, was she? No, that's Suzanne Somers. Candy had the speaking parts. Candy was in the Man Who Fell to Earth with David Bowie and did like major nude scenes with David. Oh, and love scenes. Yeah, she wow. did some heavy shit with David. Hi, Lori. Hi, Bruce. Okay, um, um, if you guys have questions, I'm not going to read that while we're talking because I I don't have Pete. Pete George is not here tonight, and my kids are just misbehaving, so they're not going to help at all. If, 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 you don't want to look and see if anybody has any questions and like tell me at some point. That would be really helpful. I know I'm putting them to work on a graduation day. It's really unfair. Um, anyway, anyway, so, so yeah. Blah, 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 so okay, so you're so you're 11, 12. You're writing songs. You have a little. You have a band. You're playing out. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, we did the. You know, we did the local teen centers and yeah. high school dances and mm -hmm. uh, swim clubs and and does um, John ever come front and center does he ever in those not days really no, no he's okay. you know he was happy to, to play bass and, and, and do you have like, like natural that. harmonies between you uh, I you know I always wished that we w were like the Everly Brothers but you know <laughs> who, not everybody can be the Everly Brothers yes. you know? so um, we were clearly something else you know mm -hmm. we were like a, a team of great you know musicians players mm -hmm. And then the, the singing thing was more my thing, and the songwriting thing was more my thing. And, mm -hmm. But we both. Uh, and how about your other two siblings? Seriously. Jennifer sing. Uh, Jennifer cuts hair. That's and, a uh, very important thing. <clears throat> yes, it is. And uh, Jeff plays drums. Okay. But uh, he's got a great uh, house painting and industrial painting business. Okay. Uh, in Madawan, and um, yeah, so. They went another way. Yeah, they went another direction. And, okay. you know, we'd already kind of been out there and doing it for a while before uh, they were old enough to kind of get into it. So I think they just did their own thing. But Rosemary kept but, singing, right? Is yeah, she yeah. She was, so she was singing. Oh. The, uh, she's a pretty much retired now. Okay. Um, teaching, uh, you know, she sings once in a while and she'll have some vocal students and she does hypnotherapy as well. Wow. But, um, yeah, we did all those kind of like you know, little kid gigs that everybody does, you know, and, and I don't know what my singing was like back then. I probably just sang just enough to get the songs across, but I wasn't like You didn't have like the balls in. to the walls. No, I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. have that yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, it wasn't until like in the 80s sometime, I was producing uh, this girl who my mother was teaching, this mm -hmm. girl named Mary Witham. Great singer. She sounded like Linda Ronstadt. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and... Um, I wrote some songs for her and produced this thing, uh, three song demo for her. Yeah. And while we were doing one of the songs, it was kind of a rocker. It was almost like a Brian Adams kind of thing. Uh huh. And just to get the melody down, I sang it. 
and it was in her key. It was like a bit higher. Right. And it was like, Whoa. I can do that. It was like, it had that kind of rasp, like that Adams and Rod Stewart. And, mm -hmm. You, know, you do have that Rod Stewart kind of thing. So I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, which was good because when, you know, cut to uh, 1990 when I was on the road with my first uh, band I got signed with, Company Wolves, we were on tour and I overdid it with my hands. I had tendonitis in both my arms and I had to completely stop playing when I got off the road. Oh, I don't remember and, uh, that. Yeah. And How long did you have to stop playing? I had to stop playing for a year. Oh! Yeah. Okay. And I slowly got, you know, put my hands in buckets of ice and oh. then, you know, do these series of stretches and tape my hands and uh, I was going out of my mind. And plus, I didn't have a way to make a living. You know, that's what I right. was doing. Uh -huh. And I said, well, wait a minute. I sing. And so I just made a demo tape and I started getting my tape around to studios and next thing I knew I was getting all these calls to like sing in these big commercials like Budweiser and, and all of a sudden all the money that I never made in the real music industry I was like making from jingles know, singing out commercials which I wow. never really wanted to do but fuck it somebody's got to give me some money for Did, my musical talent okay, so, so now, I, I took it. Is that know? when you were doing the Pulse si with doubling for Pulse Simon? No that was later. Okay. That was like 2000. Okay we'll get to that. But it was like early 90s. Really? So you're doing, you're doing jingles and that's going well. And sessions and, and all kinds of other sessions too. Mm -hmm. Other people's records, demos. Uh, and I started singing on this anime, this Japanese anime stuff, which is huge. Wow. Cowboy Bebop and uh, Wolf's Rain and Ghost in the Shell. You guys hear? You guys into anime? No. No? no. You're not geeks that way? No. <laughs> well, they're, too cool. they're too cool for that shit. Well, that's cool. Okay. But there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of kids out there that, you know, if you put my name in Google, probably the first thing that comes up is 500 anime. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I didn't crazy. even know this about you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're really, uh, and, and it's a completely different style for me, too. It's like some of the stuff is really soft, and uh, there's some stuff I get raspy on, but, so, you know, I, I had a whole second career as a, so let as me a ask studio you, since, singer. Since you went to Company of Wolves, how come when you were doing that, you weren't the lead singer in that? I started writing songs with Keith. And right. He was introduced to me as a singer. Keith uh -huh. Brewer, yes. Hi, Keith. Great songwriter and singer. Mm -hmm. How you doing? Keith Farini. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he came to my house, and the first day we met, we wrote the song The Distance, which was our mm -hmm. second single. And, uh, you know, I, I hadn't. You been, were quite a step been, out of that? Yeah, I hadn't been thinking about, like, I just kept thinking, I need to meet a, a lead singer, and, you know, uh, we'll be like the. You know the Plant Page or the Townsend and Daughtry or the you know whatever, mm -hmm. Mick and Keith, mm -hmm. and uh, I was happy with that. And um, you know once the band got going, I was like, oh well, I got a couple songs now, you know. <laughs> and you know I brought my songs in anyway, and, right. and Keith sang songs that I wrote, and we wrote a lot of songs together. And but um, yeah, by the second album, I actually sang the lead on two songs mm -hmm. and. Uh, I think I'm singing the lead on a bridge. I actually have a picture of you singing lead with Keith behind you that I, I, I don't know if I posted that, that one from, yet. from uh, Rock Girl? It was, you did every club, I I booked Steve back in the 80s and you guys Bed did rocks. every, you, you did, <laughs> well it was called Rock Girl on my night. Wasn't it Bed Rocks though? Well it was Bed Rocks but, but then they, they put a marquee that said Rock Girl on uh -huh. Thursday nights 
but you guys came to Spodiotis with me, you came to the Marquee with me, you came to Woody's with me, you came to you came to True Blue, you came to the China Club. Every every club I booked, you guys played. That's true. Um, So, okay, so let's get back to to how you evolve. So so now you're singing, you're a kid, you're, you're, you're playing out, you're writing songs. So how do you get to Bleecker Street? Because, oh no, when I met you, you were doing Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I think. Yes. That's right. So how did that happen? So um, my brother and all his buddies uh, were already playing with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Um, I knew the Gell- I knew the Gellises. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think he knew them. I think he met them. Okay. Because Dave was playing guitar. Right. When John joined, mm-hmm. and a bunch of his friends were already in the band, so they dragged John in. And, the, and these are New da- Jersey friends. Is that how that happened? Yeah. They okay. they had gone to school together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dave Gellis left the band, and John called me and said, "Hey, uh, can you come and do this gig?" Give yes, you can I have thank you. Yeah. Um, he said, "Can you come and do this gig?" Mm-hmm. And no rehearsal. You know, Get out of here. Sweat and Tears is not a easy stuff. You know, it's no. jazz rock. Yeah. Know? A lot of parts, a lot of hits, a lot of you know, rhythms and crazy chords and, and melodies you got to play with the horns and. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned the material on the plane, on a cassette, and I like made my little charts on the plane and showed up at uh, in Miami and uh, played the first gig, and then I had the gig. How long did you play with them? About a year, maybe a little over a year. And uh, when I left them, um, I went to Glenn Burtnick, mm-hmm. where I did my first MTV video uh, for... Uh, his song Follow You, that was in 87. And uh, then I went to Jill Jones, who was uh, in Prince's Revolution. Mm-hmm. She's the one who sang, I was dreaming when I wrote the book in me and it goes straight. Really talented. That's a great song. Really talented mm-hmm. girl. Uh, great singer. I was her musical director and guitar player. And uh, then from there I went to... You have to oh, I, I played with Bush Rock. You know, uh, did you know Delmar? Rest, I do know. Rest in I peace. did know yeah, Delmar. I mean, yeah, he played with Sting, yeah, Pat Martino, was such great. a great jazz musician. Mm-hmm. So I played in his band Bush Rock for a minute, but we never got that off the ground. Ricky Sebastian on drums, killer New Orleans drummer, mm-hmm. Yossi Fine on bass. You know yeah, Yossi. Yossi uh-huh. So uh, yeah, so those were the my first years in New York, like '86 through '87. And while you were doing all that, you would come back with your with your brothers of Conti, what were you guys called? We were called the Rookies. The Rookies, that's right. So the, you'd come back with the Rookies and you would do the Rock and Roll Cafe in between all these road games. Yeah, we do we do covers and it was I great. think we played like four sets a night and, and we'd like start the first set with one song and about 45 minutes later we'd do it we'd, again. No, we'd, no, we'd oh. still be playing. We, oh. We'd just <laughs> mentally in from one song to another. We never, never had a playlist. You know, we would just like feel it out and you know, I might have had something, a list of songs on the floor, but really, yeah. But I, we just called them and you know, segued from one tune into another, and had no. Those were no really rehearsals. great days. You and you brought you brought Phoebe Snow in, Phoebe which Snow came was life changing yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, Ray Gillen from Badlands used to come and, and listen. He, he he was very supportive of my singing too. Rest his soul too. Mm. Um, so and yeah. you have to tell when when was when were you playing with Chuck Berry? When was that? So that was an 88. Okay, so now tell them your Chuck, you have a Chuck Berry story. It's really long, and I'm saving it for my book. Uh, oh, no, you've already... No, 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 no I'll, tell you. I'll tell you. Uh, I'll give you the, the truncated version. Okay. So, uh, my mom was uh, 
had been working with this trumpet player named Frankie Rendell, who's mm -hmm. a uh, he booked all the uh, entertainment at the Meadowlands racetrack. Okay. He was actually the bugler, you know. And he was a great jazz trumpet player. Uh huh. But um, he he was bringing in all the acts for the uh, yeah. trackside park at the Meadowlands uh -huh. racetrack. And um, that summer, Chuck Berry was booked. Yeah. And you know, if you know anything about Chuck, he doesn't travel with the band. Uh, he, the promoter provides the band and okay. provides an amp and gives him whatever thousands of dollars in cash and uh, and if he likes the band uh, he gives some money back or something like as a <laughs> courtesy. Yeah. But uh, so Frankie picks Chuck up from the airport. Uh huh. And um, you know he given me the gig already with with my band, the Hudson River Rats, the blues band. Okay, I remember. Okay, Gigi yeah. just said uh, Under Acme, which Under is Acme, who yeah. you did that with. Which there. was right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you saw the, the Blessed Wit and Tears band, mm -hmm. uh, we morphed into the Hudson River Rats, which okay. was the blues band. We added Rob Paparozzi, great harmonica player, mm -hmm. but it was Blessed Wit and Tears rhythm section. Me, Glenn McClone, Tom DeFaria on drums, Glenn keyboards, and my brother oh. on bass, mm -hmm. and, um, and Rob, and then John Paris joined us and the Uptown Horns, mm -hmm. and we had, you, you remember that scene, yeah. we had Cindy Lauper and Carol mm -hmm. King and Willie DeVille and David Johansson and Julian Lennon and all these people came down and sang with us. Um, and uh, when we got the call to do the Shrek Berry thing, I just said, yeah, let's bring the band in. Well, we couldn't use Rob, the harmonica player, because, you know, Chuck didn't need a harmonica player. So, uh, Chuck says to Frankie, um, Who's my band tonight? <laughs> and uh, Frankie goes, oh, Chuck, man, relax, man. They're great. You know, the Conti brothers, Steve and John. John's a bass player. Steve's on guitar. He goes, guitar? <laughs> I don't use no other guitar player. <laughs> and uh, Frankie goes, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry, Chuck. Uh, Steve's great. He can lay back. Mm -hmm. He says, well, I'll give him one song. If he ain't having it, I'm going to throw him off the stage. <laughs> Which Frankie tells me, you know, before yeah. we Oh, nice. Great. Before we go on. So uh, we're waiting in the dressing room, and you know, here comes Chuck, he comes in. And we had been, you know, we loved the Hail Hail Rock and Roll movie anyway, mm -hmm. but we started watching it heavily that week, you know, just to like kind of get into the get zone. Into the and um, so he comes in, and he pretty much says the same thing that, you know, you heard all the guys like Springsteen and everybody say in the movie. He's like, you know, uh, drummer, watch my foot, you know, that's where I want you to cut off. He's a bass player. If you see my, me move my neck, that I want you to play like that. And he says, and listen to the lyrics. If it wasn't for the lyrics, we'd be playing the same song all night. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we, we, we go up on stage, and uh, I'm laying way back. I'm like, I'm not getting thrown off the stage with Chuck Berry, you know. My hero. I mean, he was my idol. He was the first guy. He was the first concert I ever went to. My father took really? me to Madison Square Garden when I was 13. And I saw Chuck and, and like a 50s revival show. Okay, but wait, do you know of anybody he ever threw off the stage? Did he, do you know that he ever did it to anybody? Um, I'm sure he did, but yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. First but you didn't want to be the first. But I'm sure I wasn't, wouldn't have been the first, but uh, I was determined it wasn't going to be me. Okay. Anyway, uh, so I laid way back. Mm -hmm. And um, by the way, I have this all on film. Someone in the audience filmed this whole thing. So and you have it? I have it, yeah. Wow. And uh, someday I'll put it out there. Yeah. But um, we play about five songs, you know, and I'm laying way back. And then he does a slow blues, you know, he does a... When things go wrong, go wrong with you, it hurts me too. 
and he says, guitar, points to me, gives me a solo. I'm like, Chuck Berry didn't throw me off the stage, and he's giving me a solo. <laughs> I play a solo, one chorus through it. He goes, can the man play? Take another one. <laughs> wow. wow. So I play another solo. Then uh, we go, we play, you know, five, ten more Chuck Berry songs. Mm -hmm. Does the same thing. Calls another slow blues. Gives me a solo. Can a man play? Take another one. Play again. I'm like, this is like too good to be true, yeah? <laughs> and then he starts Johnny B. Good. He goes, <laughs> his high E string pops. And I'm like, okay. He really needs that string to yes. play this song, especially the solo in the middle, uh -huh. which is the first solo I ever learned in my life, right? Wow. So uh, I'm like, what is going to happen when he gets to the middle, right? So he goes, man. Points to me. And there I played the solo of Johnny Be Good with the wow. man. And, wow. Uh, wow. My smile is so wide, it looks like my face is going to crack right off. Um, so yeah, that's... Did you have words after the show? Did he say anything no, to you? No, well, this story goes on, and it's, it, it's really long and, and hilarious, but I'll, I'll save it for another time, but no, he took right off. Uh, he had a, he had a tall, um, buxom blonde at the side of the stage. Buxom blonde. And, uh, he just got in the car and left. And I didn't even bring, like, my Chuck Berry's Golden Decade album or anything from Aww. the sign, and... Yeah, you know, he just disappeared. But I mean, well, hey. the signing stuff is kind yeah, of weird. Yeah, I mean, though. I know I wouldn't do it now, but back then I'm surprised that I didn't because he was just, you know, he's the reason I play guitar. You know? Hey, Jennifer's watching. Hi, my sis. All right, yeah, and we got to talk. Okay, so Gigi's saying she loves you, Ooh. and okay, so somebody said, uh, did you grow up on the Beatles? We we kind of yes. Okay, absolutely. Gigi says the love songs you put down on your demo cassette tapes were some of the most beautiful songs ever written before Company of Wolves. Tommy songs, right, Gigi? Oh. And Steve is watching from Brazil, and he said he loves your voice. Who's that? Steve? Uh, I'm sorry, John Myers is watching from Brazil. Uh, that's wrong. Jeff Arujo is watching. Hi, Jeff. Um, sorry, I don't know you. But uh, okay, so John Myers said, back in the day, did you ever listen to Slim Harpo or any artist from Excello Records? Uh, yes, I have uh, a couple of Slim Harpo records. Keith Richards was really into Slim Harpo. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the records. You have I a have. bunch of people that know you from anime that are anime? talking about it here, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, somebody's saying that you're the maestro. Amazing work. Talk about Frankie LaRocca. Oh, is that Gigi? Yes. Uh, um, I want to say, uh, speaking of Slim Harpo, my favorite guy from that era is Big Bill Brunzi. I just love and would love to be able to play like that because he played, you know, like Robert Johnson, he had that finger blues thing, finger style thing that was just so amazing. It's, it's a whole other thing. You know, when you grow up playing with a pick, yeah, I'm working on it though. I'm actually taking online lessons with Tommy Emmanuel. Are you really? Well, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I just watch his videos and, yeah, yeah, and try yeah. and copy his shit, but, uh, but he, he's Do you use your fingers? Mother. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not tuned for it right now, but, you know. Well, in 
drop D, that's what it sounds like. But hey, you know what? Since you're like holding the guitar and starting to play a little bit, why don't you play something for us? Let's let's take well, a musical interlude. Are we bored talking? No, I, I want a musical interlude now because you know I can't have you in the room and not have you play and sing because that's uh, Jennifer says, by the way, she has uh, a photograph of you and Chuck switching guitars. You switch guitars with him after the Yeah, there's the a whole, history. that's a whole uh, other story. Oh, Jennifer, see, that's a whole other part of the story. Yeah, well, Hi, see, Robert because, because yeah. Chuck broke his string, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I played the solo of Johnny Be Good, and then Chuck hands me his, his guitar after the song. He goes, change my string. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And uh, I hand him my Telecaster, which he puts on. It's like up to his neck. And it looks like a violin on him. And, uh, and he spends, I get his guitar perfectly in tune. Yeah. And he spends 10 minutes like untuning my guitar. I heard that Because his hands, his hands are so big that he knows just how to. Oh, come on. He knows just how much his fingers are going to pull the strings out of tune when he, when he makes a chord. So I was like, what is he doing? And when he played a chord, it was perfectly, perfectly in tune. When he handed it back to me, so out of tune. Wow. And I spent 10 minutes tuning his guitar perfectly. I gave it back to him, and he spent another 10 minutes untuning it. That is yeah. crazy. So, uh... Play something in tune. Okay. Here's my latest single and coolest song in the world. And actually, I'm going to be, uh... On Rockaway Beach, June first. Yeah. 
is great too. Um, oh, yeah. I, I put the link up on, on Facebook today and I'll, I'll put it up again. It's a great video. It's a great Shot film. in the freezing cold on Rock Was Ray it? Beach. Yes. <laughs> shot in November. Or oh, no, yeah. shot in December, actually. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. great. You can see my nose is pink. <laughs> So, okay, so let's, so let's get back to the story. So you're playing with people like Chuck Berry, you're playing with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're gigging around, so, so you, how does Company Wolves happen? Well, that was born out of the um, Acme, under Acme Blues Night as okay. well. Um, Jeff Kent, rest his soul, all my friends are dead. God, it's such a terrible thing. Um, he uh, introduced, he was, he ran the Blues Night. Eight, eight. A.G.? A.J.? His Andy. brother. Andy. Yes, is, is yes. He, he watches. Oh, yeah. He's, he's wonderful. I love Andy. Yeah. So, uh, and I love Jeff. Um, and Jeff was very instrumental in getting me into the studio scene. And um, How'd you guys meet? I didn't even meet. Everything, <laughs> I joke about this, everything comes back to one guy. Okay. A guy I met at college, Jigs. Jiglio or Jilio, however you want to say it. Um, he had a band called Jigs and the Pigs in New Brunswick. Oh, nice. And uh, he and I were dating uh, two best friends, two girls, and um, and we kept in touch after uh, I left New Brunswick. And I knew that Glenn Burtnick was his brother-in-law. Okay. And he said, "Hey, Glenn's looking for a guitar player." So I went. And I played with Glenn, and I met drummer Jimmy Clark. I love Jimmy. Who actually, Jimmy, if you're watching. Hi, Jimmy. Who actually played with Michael Monroe. Okay, everything goes yeah, full everything circle. Everything is yeah, crazy. Which she so, plays with Mike, has been playing with Michael for years, yeah. So, Jimmy was the drummer with Glenn Burnick. Okay. And Jimmy was dating a girl named Robin Beck, who was a great singer. Okay. And, I remember um, her. Yeah, a little short girl, mm -hmm. powerhouse. Um, good looking. Had, had everything, mm. you know. Uh, she was... Um, a singer and Jimmy was playing in her band, so Jimmy dragged me into that project. Mm -hmm. And her producer was Jeff Kent. Okay. So I met them at Top Cat Studios. Remember Top mm -hmm. Cat? Twenty Inch Street. And uh, I met Jeff, and we hit it off immediately. And I told him about the blues band that I had, and he said, "Yeah, I don't want to do a blues night." So we talked about it. He came down and saw the River Rats and said, "Let's put this thing together." And we called John Paris and the Uptown Horns and. We, and then, he, and then he's the one who uh, eventually said, you gotta meet Keith Brewer, because he's a great songwriter. And wow. um, yeah, so that's how Company Wolf started. And um, we had, uh, me and Keith wrote probably six or eight songs, and then we said, hey, um, I think this is beyond just a songwriting project, let's mm -hmm. put a band together. Mm -hmm. I said, I know a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I know a drummer. So uh, his drummer friend was Frankie LaRocca. Mm -hmm. There you go, Gigi. <laughs> and um, the bass player I knew was my brother, of course. And uh, that was Company Wolves. And we got signed to Polygram, but Frankie was an A&R guy at Atlantic mm -hmm. Records at the time. And uh, that was a bit of a mess mm -hmm. because you weren't supposed to be working for yeah. one label and be signed to their competitor. So mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of the... Uh, start of uh, the, of the downward spiral of, mm. of our drummer mm. you know, situation. We had about eight drummers in the band. The exploding <laughs> spinal tap situation. <laughs> yeah. I was just at a party with Michael McKean and Harry Shearer recently. That's pretty trippy. Oh, I it's love those trippy. guys. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty trippy. 
Um, they, uh, Harry said yes to me, so I'm still. Harry's going to do the show. He he's going to marry him. He's going to oh. do the, do the oh, show. Oh, he said yes. He's very, oh. ma he's very married, already. Judith Owen. Yeah. So okay. So, so who else are you playing with around this time? So Company Walls is happening, but you are you also still doing the day job thing, or no? Not when you're doing Company Walls, then you're focused, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, in yeah. fact, Keith was singing uh, commercials at uh -huh. the time, and I remember thinking. Uh, what's he got to go do that for? Because in those days you had beepers. And we'd be like in a Ages, songwriting yeah. session and <laughs> I'd hear his beeper go off. And, oh man, you got to leave. Yeah, man, I got to go. I'd be like, bastard. <laughs> you know, well, you know, I cursed him for that. But then a couple years later I was doing it myself. Right. But, you know, and I realized why he couldn't Say turn, no it, turn it, it yeah. down because, you know, let's face it, you know, you go do one of those mm -hmm. and you can pay your rent and, and write your songs and you know and have a rock and roll band for you know yeah the next couple of years with the money you make yeah 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 so um yeah so i wasn't doing anything else at the time of company walls maybe i might have still been AJ's playing watching and uh, andy's watching oh, andy and kent. kent and i don't know if he heard when you were talking about his brother just now which is so crazy well but anyway you can rewind it later yeah you can rewind it <laughs> um but i loved your brother he's a uh, great man um yeah, so uh, I was probably still doing some gigs with my mom. Jennifer my just wrote, right? Jigs, it's all your fault. Yeah, I, Jigs knows it. I, I, I tell him, you know, I owe my whole career to Jigs because uh, Jigs introduced me to Glenn, who introduced me to Jimmy, who introduced me to Jeff, who brought me into the studio scene, who introduced me to Keith, who I wrote songs with. Uh, Company of Walls, Mercury Records, then Billy Squire heard that, then Billy oh, Squire really? had me play on his records and sing with him and tour with him, and then, you know, then I met Gary Lyons. And, How did Eric Burden happen? Uh, How did that happen? Oh, that was random. Huh. That was, uh, that was like 2007. Mm -hmm. My brother was playing on a, um, how did this go? We were backing, it was this thing called Hippie Fest. And we were backing uh, Joey Mullen from Badfinger. Joey played the Rock and Roll Cafe for me. Oh, yeah? The Badfinger played, yeah, that little club they did. Well, when was this? I love the songs. 2007. Okay. So we, we backed, really uh, okay. yeah, we backed um, Joey. Mm -hmm. So we did a Badfinger set. Uh -huh. We backed Felix Cavallari, so we did a Rascal set. Yeah. And we did uh, Denny Lane. So we backed, we did a um, Wings? Moody Blues yeah. Wings mm -hmm. set. Right. And um, Eric Burden was playing that night. And I met his bass player, Paula, uh, Paula O'Rourke, mm -hmm. who became a really good friend of mine. And uh, when Eric couldn't, uh, Eric's guitar player couldn't make it, they called me. That they'd seen me play that night, and I just, you know, no rehearsal again. And wow. I just went out and did it. Was it fun? Yeah. Then I, I did it for like two years, mm -hmm. which is great. We played with the Yardbirds, um, which you know the original. Uh, um, um, Animals uh, guitar player Hilton Valentine came mm -hmm. and joined us. Um, there's a video up on YouTube of us playing House of the Rising Sun at the Doheny Blues Festival. Go seek it out on YouTube. It's, it's pretty, pretty jamming. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, I did that for a couple of years, and that was yeah, that was in my. I think I was still yeah, I was in the Dolls. So if you wanna. Okay, so how did the how did the how did the Dolls happen for you? Well, so it was after the Wolves, after Squire, after um, Peter Wolf, and all these sessions that I did around town. And Peter I, Wolf, also somebody. Peter Wolf, uh, I was. Um, he was my childhood hero. I was a huge Jay Giles fan. Mm -hmm. um, 
still have bloodshot on red vinyl. Um, <laughs> I saw and, them. I'm and years and my brother, yeah, I saw them open for Kiss at JFK Aww. Stadium in uh, in Jersey City. Mm -hmm. And um, my brother was playing uh, on the on the Peter's record, mm -hmm. Fool's Parade. He was playing bass. And I said, oh man, I, I gotta come by. He goes, yeah, it's cool, man. Just come by and you know, hang out in the lounge and say hi to Peter, you know, can meet him. So uh, they were recording at Sear Sound over on 45th Street or wherever that was. And uh, I was in the lounge there and Kenny White, the producer, is a friend of ours. We had done a bunch of commercials and sessions with him and mm -hmm. a great piano player. And um, someone threw a guitar into my hand and you know, I'd been talking to Peter and I started playing like, Oh, he goes, give me a G. And I started playing, and he just started singing, and I joined in, and we fell into some song. I didn't even know what song it was. And he was like, man, it's great. Um, what else you know? And I started playing one of the old Jay Giles songs that was kind of an obscure one. He goes, you know that one? And I was like, yeah. He's like, man, we got to get him to play on the record. So I came in uh, nice. the next day, and I came in, and I played, and I played on one song, and I sang on another song. So, uh, That's yeah. great. That's pretty great. It's pretty great when you get to play with your heroes. Yeah. What uh, yeah. was? What other highlights? Like, how'd you get to play with Springsteen? What happened? Uh, Springsteen. I didn't really play with. I mean, we were on the stage at the same time. He okay. was. He was playing piano. We were, mm -hmm. It was like a. Uh, I never really advertised that I played with Springsteen because I mean, technically, it was a jam. You know. Uh huh. Um, it was like a rock and roll uh, medley, like Little Richard and you know that kind of Jerry Lee Lewis. Huh? It was with Willie Nile. I was playing with Willie mm -hmm. at the Stone Pony, and uh, it was like a light of day benefit, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, everybody came on stage at the end. Joe Bruschetti and Willie, and you know, I was up there because I was in Willie's band, and Bruce came up and sat on a piano, and, you know. But um, how'd you meet Phoebe? Phoebe, that was Phoebe Snow. We gotta go. We gotta go back to before the River Rats. Okay. Um, my brother was playing with Rob Paparozzi mm -hmm. uh, in a band with Rob's brother called Mario's R&B All Stars, and um, John told me, "Hey, I think Phoebe Snow's gonna come to the gig." And I went, "I love her." I was like, "I'm coming tonight." So, you know, I didn't think I was gonna play at all. I just wanted to see Phoebe right. sing and meet her and. I told the story to someone recently who was writing a book about Phoebe, and I never heard from her after uh, I gave her this this uh, story. But Phoebe, <laughs> it was a club called the Underground Lounge mm -hmm. in um, Rahway or Elizabeth, New Jersey, and uh, we're all sitting there watching the band, and we're like, oh, I guess Phoebe's not showing up. You know, it's been a while. All of a sudden, we hear crash, crash, boom, boom. It was like a long staircase down. Phoebe had fallen down the oh. stairs, and bam, the door opens, and there she is, oh like lying on the floor. That's the entrance. Yeah, she made an entrance and a half. And uh, so we met that night, and we started talking, and gabbing, and, and then, you know, got on like a house on fire, and um, they invited me up to play guitar on a song, and she and I, you know, vibed out, mm -hmm. and, and then we started actually hanging out. She would, you know, I'd drive my car up to uh, Fort Lee, where she lived, and uh, we'd go into the city, the Peppermint Lounge, and see, what did we see? We saw Men at Work, so mm -hmm. that must have been like 81. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we started hanging out, like, back then. And um, she was like one of my best friends. I, I miss her, another one of my friends who's gone. Because of you, she and I started hanging out. Oh. And, and 
that album, Poetry Man, I mean, I wore the grooves out of that yeah. when I was in high school. I worshipped her, and when you brought her into the Rock and Roll Cafe that night, we went to the Empire Diner, the three of us, and walked on the promenade in Brooklyn Heights, and, and then she started coming and picking me up, and she would take me places. She took me to see Clapton. We sat and had dinner with Clapton before his show, and oh God, yeah, some crazy stuff. Yeah, I, I, I went backstage, uh, I met Steven Tyler, and uh, we went backstage at an Aerosmith show. I mean, she. Everybody knew her. Everybody and, and knew respected TV. her and loved her voice, and you know. So I, I definitely, uh, and I was set to play on her, uh, her comeback album, um, something real. Is that, a, is, that a, is that the album? It's like '89. Um, I did all the rehearsals. Mm -hmm. I was like killer musicians, mm -hmm. but I think I didn't really have. Maybe I was a little intimidated. I didn't really have like a strong concept that like. What kind of guitar part should I be playing on this? Mm -hmm. And the producer, um, who I won't name, okay. um, said, "You know what? We'll uh, we'll overdub you later." Ow! <laughs> and Ow. I was like, "Okay." Oh. And uh, I went home, and I never got the call to come back. Mm. But um, I, I'm glad I, I we wrote songs together, me and Phoebe, and. Mm. Um, you brought it down to my jams a lot. Uh, we spent so much time together and, you know, did some crazy shit. She was really into UFOs, as you know. Yes. And uh, we had some, some crazy UFO video viewings at my place. And, yeah. How about, so how did you get to play? I don't know about you and Bonnie Raitt. How did that happen? When was that? No, I didn't play with Bonnie Raitt. Oh, it's on your uh, thing. Uh, yeah, it no. is. Uh, I'll show it to you. I, I got it. From I didn't somewhere. write it. All right. Well, I, I saw. It. I, found I didn't it write Spring. I didn't write Springsteen either. See, I found these online. This uh, is. I didn't make this shit up. What do I know? Yeah. Well, you can't trust Wikipedia. They even got my birthday wrong. Did they really? Said I'm like 20 years older than I really am. Ah. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> as far as heroes and playing with heroes and highlights, what what what, what like stand out is like the things that really. Oh well, we were building up to this story so okay. um, after the Peter Wolf and the Maceo Parker and all that stuff I got the call to it was actually after Billy mm -hmm. um, Paul Simon called um, his guitar player Mark Stewart okay. um, suggested because he had played on uh, my uh, Crown Jewels album with my brother Linoleum mm -hmm. He played cello, and you know we've known each other, and, and I guess he thought my voice was somehow similar to Paul's. Okay, that I which, don't get yeah, at all. I know, but I, I was doing like on linoleum. I was doing like kind of a softer thing. It was more ballads, and okay. and, mm -hmm. and so uh, whatever. I was like, man, you know, uh, to work with Paul, I'll, I'll tone it down. And you know, naturally, when you sing those songs, I mean, I'd grown up with Simon and Garfunkel, mm -hmm. so I knew all the songs anyway. Well, I didn't know. I didn't tell I, them what your gig was. Yeah, I, I didn't know a lot of the later stuff, but mm -hmm. basically, uh, what Paul would do is when he would have a um, rehearsal, he would hire a singer to come and be Paul, so that he could not have to sing and he could kind of listen to the band and check out, you know, the arrangements. Because let me tell you, when you're singing and playing. It's hard to really focus on, uh -huh. you know, what you're saying and staying in tune and remembering your lyrics and remembering your parts and and you know all of that plus hearing every he's got a huge band, he's got yeah. like seventeen pieces, you mm -hmm. know. 
So uh, Mark thought I would be, they were flying like a guy from Chicago in and putting him up in a hotel. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, I know a guy right here in town, Steve Conti, you know, he's great, you should call him. So uh, Paul's brother Eddie called me and we worked out a deal and uh, so I worked with Paul for like 10 years. So what, okay, <laughs> so how did that work with everything else you were doing? Well, I never went out on the road, except for once. Um, oh. I rehearsed the band, we, we did like a month or two months maybe at SIR, uh -huh. 52nd Street, uh -huh. when his album You're the One came out. Mm -hmm. And um, we rehearsed, you know, eight hours a day, wow. you know, whatever, like mm -hmm. 10 in the morning till six. And, um, you know, some days he would say, you know, it was an amazing band. It was like Steve Gadd on drums, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the his African guys, Bagidi and Vincent and uh, um, Tony Cedrus uh, from, I think he's, Jamaican maybe on mm -hmm. keys and uh, Alain Millet on a French guy on piano it was just like a multicultural mm -hmm. Steve Shahan who lived in Morocco on percussion and Jamie Haddad who uh, is another great percussionist two percussionists three horns mm -hmm. three guitars you know it was just an insane amount of music and Paul's an absolute genius mm -hmm. I, I must say mm -hmm. he knew every note of what he, you know what he wanted yeah. and you know he would go out He'd stop a song and go, um, trumpet, you're playing a B flat on bar uh, 12 of no, the bridge, and uh, it's supposed to be a B natural. I'd be like, oh, wow. you're right, you know? Wow. Uh, you know, the guy doesn't miss a trick. Wow. So, um, and he was very uh, complimentary to me. He, I was going to say, he, how was he to you? Yeah, because people had said, oh, you know, Paul's very, uh, he's a tough customer, man. He'll, uh, he'll, um, bust your balls. You know, yeah, well, you know, he's dark and, you know, mm. whatever. But nothing but, I have nothing but good things to say about my experience with him. He was, uh... <laughs> Jiggs is on saying, play a song, Steve. Shut up, Jiggs. <laughs> you missed two of my songs. And I already plugged you and said, uh... Many I times. owe everything to you, so... I'll go. <laughs> oh, and, and your sister just said that you and Springsteen have the same birthday. That's true. Um, and, and John Coltrane and Ray Charles. Oh, shit. Um... Gigi sing play an old song. Alright, play a song. Play a song. No. Yeah, play a song. Or play a new song. Play a new song. I'm not prepared with any other songs. No, really. yes you are. I'm not. Um, play one anyway. Yeah. 
probably see me post it. Oh god, you gotta go Google it now. Yeah, I do. Oh, we do all, we do, uh, it's mostly like the 68 through 72. Yeah, that was good, those were that's good. The, that's the good, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do, uh, two later period songs. So who else in the band? Brother John. Of course. Rich Pagano. Okay. Andy York. Andy York who plays with Mel Cab. Okay, I don't think I know Andy. Ian Hunter, yeah. great guitar player. And um, Andy Burton, keyboards, playing with little Steven now. Somebody just uh, brought up Ben Sussman. 
Hi, Bet. Bet is great. Mm -hmm. I love Bet. Yeah, you guys were very close when I first when I knew you guys. In fact, Bet has a a, um, a podcast. Yes. Yeah. But it's a, it's a film. It's a video. What do you mean? She does like a cooking thing. Oh. And I, I uh, we've that. been threatening to uh, to do this, and uh, I'll call you Bet. Okay. I swear, before I leave town this summer. Um, so how'd you yeah. get? In, so tell me about the dolls. We started to go there, and then we got sidetracked. Oh uh, yeah. So from Paul Simon. Okay. Um, and then Simon and Garfunkel, mm -hmm. which uh, that was amazing too, because I was in the park. That that that. What what year was that? The show they did in the park when they first Shaper got the music festival. No, uh, no, they played in 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 Sheep's Meadow. Um, that huge concert they did. I can't even remember what year it was. Early eighties, I think. Wasn't it, it was unbelievable. It was the first time they got back together. It was. It was. I wasn't after. there, but yeah, um, I yeah but I, but I did those rehearsals too, which was amazing because when sometimes art would come late. Yeah. And uh, it would be me, so. Wait, me what and year Paul, is this? This is two thousand and three. Okay. Uh, this is after I played with Willie Deville, who's another, you know, one of my heroes. And you, you had a long history with him. Yeah. And well, I've been working with Paul since 2001. Mm -hmm. I worked with him through 2010. Wow. Um, I mean, not. Right. It's not like I, I worked every day or every week. It sometimes right. would be like two years I wouldn't see him. You know? Uh huh. But um, if uh, Art wouldn't show up like on time. We'd be, it'd be like Simon and Conti, you know. No. Simon and Conti, and we'd do like Scarborough Fair. And no. Go, Come on, Steve. Let, let's do. Can uh, you play those? Can you sing those high parts that Garfunkel used to sing? Yeah. Wow. They were pretty I, high. Then wow. I could. Um, and uh, then sometimes Paul wouldn't wouldn't be able to be there, and then it'd be Conti and Garfunkel. That is <laughs> do, so crazy. You know, we'd do like Mrs. Robinson or uh, oh or. Oh my God! Uh, is any of that stuff sounds recorded? Of, sounds of silence. I have some, do you? Some, you know, rehearsal tapes. Nice. That uh, they were ill-gotten, Ill <laughs> but um, nice to have. They will, they will never leave my position. Don't worry, Paul. <laughs> uh, they're just for, for me, for my ears only. Uh, but anyway, after that, yeah. um, we get into the dolls. Yeah. So I was doing Paul, mm -hmm. and I just done Willie, and. Uh, then my friend uh, Larry Saltzman, do you know Larry? I don't think so. Great guitar player. He was mm -hmm. playing, um, David Johansson had this uh, this blues, acoustic blues thing called the Harry Smiths. Mm -hmm. And um, Larry had been playing with him in that. And he said, uh, I ran to Larry one day, he said, David's thinking of putting the dolls together. And I went, oh man, like, how many, uh, you know, how many rock and roll bands are there from New York that, mm -hmm. you know, you, someone like me could step into, you know? I said, look, man, tell them, you know, tell them about me. I got the guitars, I got the Gibsons, I got the big nose, I got the big hair, you know. Um, you know, I don't play like Johnny Thunders, but I could, you know, if, uh, if necessary. And um, so he gave, David, he gave David my name, and so Jimmy Vivino gave him my name. And, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, a couple of, like, everybody he asked said, just call Conti. Wow. So he called me. And uh, we met for lunch, and um, after lunch, you know, he said, I, I, took, uh, I took the liberty of uh, making you this package, you know. And he gave me, he had all the lyrics, had all uh, 
CDs of Had he already the, become aware the, of you other than word of mouth? Had he heard your stuff? Uh, he went and checked me out. Uh -huh. He said, yeah, I checked you out online. <laughs> yeah, I know I know you went to Rutgers. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he knew that I played with Willie. Right. And that might have had something, you know, because mm -hmm. Willie's another, you know, rock and roll casualty from New York mm -hmm. from the, you know, CBGB's days mm -hmm. and, and so, um, yeah, so he gave me the stuff. He says, what do you think? you want to do this gig? And I said, sure. It was one, supposed to be one show at the Royal Festival Hall in London. Mm -hmm. And Arthur Killer Kane, the Dolls bass, original bass player, Wait, was still is alive. This, this is uh, 2004. Okay. And so, um, yeah, we uh, I said yes. And uh, I don't know, a month later or whatever, we meet for a rehearsal over at uh, Euphoria, and um, hi Dave. Um, Sylvain comes in, and I immediately felt like I knew him my whole life. Really? He's just, as it turns out, the Dolls original drummer, Billy Mercia, mm -hmm. um, his brother moved to my town in Mattawan, New Jersey, when I was growing up there. And he used to tell me, hey man, you know, he was from Columbia. He'd go, hey man, you know who you look like? You look like Johnny Thunders. <laughs> I'd be like, who the hell is Johnny Thunders? And he brought all the Dolls wow. records and the, like, Criminals and Heartbreakers mm -hmm. records to my house. And uh, mm. who, who knew, 20 years later, I'd be getting this That's call. That's crazy. And so, you know, me and Syl immediately bonded over that. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we went and we did that gig. And, uh, and like, a month later, we were supposed to do another gig. with uh, The gig went great, by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody... You know, Chrissy Hines showed up, and I mean, nice. backstage was like, you know, pinch me, you know. <laughs> I'm meeting, you know, Mick Jones, like, hello, Mick Jones, are you a fantastic? I'm like, yeah, I know who you are, you know, from The Clash. Mm, yeah. Not the other Mick Jones. Yeah. Um, and Chrissy Hines, and Shane McGowan, and Bob Geldof, and you know, everybody. And then, uh, and then we had a gig opening for Morrissey, like, couple weeks later mm -hmm. and Arthur went to the hospital uh, they told him or he thought he had the flu mm -hmm. and they told him uh, no you can't leave the hospital you um, you can't fly and you have to you know you, you're too weak to go anywhere mm -hmm. and uh, so we got my brother to learn the, the show you know in a day Wow! <laughs> and uh, we went and we played 80,000 people at uh, the soccer stadium in Manchester. Jesus. And uh, there's some footage okay, of this somewhere. Stop a second. What is that like the first time that happens to you? What's the first time you played like that kind of audience? Was that it? Oh, it was with Glenn Burnick. We opened for David Bowie. I played to 120,000 people. Okay, so what is that like the first time it's you walk like, out to that? It's like anything else? Yeah, is it, it? It was the Orange Bowl in, in Florida in Tampa mm -hmm. Stadium. Mm -hmm. And you know, you see the first 20 rows and then it's just a sea of color beyond that. But when they're applaud with the energy when they Yeah, well of course when you're the first band on but you're not they, getting that you're kind not of getting the yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. not getting the full right, you know, right. the, the stands aren't filled either. So right. it's probably it, I think it holds hundred and twenty, but this might have been eighty or hundred thousand. It's not bad. Yeah. It wasn't too shabby. But they're not there um, for you, so Yeah, they're I not guess. there for you. Yeah, but yeah. you know, still it's it's, it's a rush. Yeah. Um So you know, we do the gig with uh, with my brother and yeah. the Morrissey gig and then, you know, I'm in the studio. I'm in the studio mixing um, with Kevin Shirley mm -hmm. uh, the live uh, the DVD for mm -hmm. the, the sound for the DVD of the uh, Rock Festival All Show, mm -hmm. and we get a call. We're actually working on 
attract there was some like mistake that Arthur made and we were fixing his mistake mm -hmm. and um, phone rings and it's the manager going uh, Arthur died what and Jesus. yeah it was and then did you see the movie New York Doll no uh -huh. oh you have to see it it's it's Arthur Kane's story uh -huh. um, from you know when did that being come out? a Mormon right after uh huh but they were making this documentary the whole time that he got called to put the band because David had been asked millions of times uh -huh. over the years to put the dolls back together. He never did. Mm -hmm. And when Arthur got the call, he started immediately. He was a Mormon, and he he got these Mormon guys to film him. What? You know, like going down to the pawn shop, getting his guitar back. It was like, uh, you know, I, I got to get used to this being a rock star again. I'm just a schlub on the bus these days, you know. And he's like playing at the Mormon church, you know, playing harmonica in front of the church, and it's just, it's a heartbreaking movie, wow. and, and you know, he's, he's like, guys, I'm going to say the prayer tonight, and he used to say a prayer before he went on, and sweet Lord Jesus, you know, and, and you know, that's this last gig, he waited 35 years to put the dolls back together, and he got to play, well, we did two shows, Jesus. he got to play two shows, and then he died, Wow. and then, uh, yeah, then we got Sammy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody just mentioned her. Yeah. Um, so, the doll, but you wrote songs, you you, yeah. did a, you you became like a whole big deal there. Yeah, I was a member. Mm -hmm. um, How long was that? It was 2004 through 2010, so yeah, six years. Six years, four albums, two live, two studio. Wow. One DVD, and um, yeah. Fun? One of, yeah. One of my uh, one of my favorite experiences because you know it's I just like I said. It. How often can you step into a band, especially a New York band that's mm -hmm. like legendary? Mm -hmm. You know, granted they didn't have that many hits and uh, no hits really. It's that personality crisis mm -hmm. and trash. Maybe people know, mm -hmm. but really you know, cult, you know, underground cool band. Like they say, uh, we didn't sell many records, but uh, everyone that bought. A record started band. <laughs> that was the Sills line. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was a great experience, and uh, yeah, I got to write songs with David and Sill, and um, um, we made the second album. The first album we made with Jack Douglas, who has done you know John Lennon, Aerosmith, and and he did the first Dolls album. He was the engineer on the first Dolls album that Todd Rundgren produced. And then the second album, we used Todd Rundgren to produce. Wow. And we went to Todd's house in Hawaii. Wow. And I lived in Todd's house and, and <laughs> pretty much hung out on the beach for a month. That's crazy. While David and Sil finished their songs. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> we got there and, and we weren't really quite prepared, but I don't think anybody cared too much. It was nice. January and we were out of New York in, you know, in Kauai mm -hmm. on the beach. So. Yeah, that doesn't suck. Yeah. And, um... After so how did Michael my, Monroe have Okay, so yeah, yeah, I was going to segue into that. Yeah, so, we got to get to that. So uh, Sammy and I were uh, commiserating one day about how, uh, you know, the dolls weren't working a lot. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of in between managers and agents and stuff just wasn't happening fast enough. I just had my first son and, uh, you know, I needed to work. And mm -hmm. it wasn't, the work wasn't there. Mm -hmm. um, it could have been, but... For whatever reason, the, uh, the business team didn't uh, wasn't moving fast enough for me, so I said, I, I gotta I gotta put food on the table for my kid, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, maybe some people in the band didn't uh, appreciate that, but whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And you got a kid, you got to do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. And um, and Sammy had been friends with Michael anyway, you know, since they were kids and they had Hanoi Rocks. Oh, so, uh -huh, right. so he was already playing with Michael on the side anyway, and uh -huh. and then he uh, pulled me in. And, and now it's been nine years. That's crazy. And I've, uh, is, we got a new album coming out. This will be my fourth album with Michael. And I've been writing, writing a lot of the songs. And uh, have you, you know. have you had a coolest song in the world with Michael? Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Uh, besides my own songs, mm -hmm. I've had coolest songs with Michael, uh, with Mark Rivera. You know, Mark Rivera who plays sax with Billy Joel and Ringo and. I don't know Mark. He plays on Urgent Foreigner. Um, and actually, Ringo is uh, on the, one of the tracks that I'm on. That song was the coolest song in the world. Nice. Me, me and Ringo. Yes. I, I never met him. Who played drums? Yeah, no. <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it would have been nice if we were in the studio together, but um, Didn't work we, out we, we overdubbed. Okay. But you know, technically, if you listen to the song, mm -hmm. it's Steve Conte on guitar and Ringo Starr on drums. That is very yeah. cool. That's pretty. So, okay, so all this solo stuff you've been doing uh, the last few years, I mean, you're finally getting this recognition as an artist in your own right, which, yeah, you are. I mean, you're I front mean, and center on this stuff. I've always been. I mean, I've you, always Yes, been you have, but now, but now, Little Stevens Underground Garage really plays you a lot. I listen, yeah. and they play you a lot. I mean, you, you can, you're in rotation there. It's, it, but it's funny, it's like, you know, um, uh, I could pretend that, uh, you know, um, it's some other way, but honestly, I need to make a living mm -hmm. by playing with other people, mm -hmm. because it's fucking expensive to go out there with your own band and play, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why um, my uh, Steve Conti NYC album, mm -hmm. I started out with a five-piece band because I had, on the record I had B3, I had piano, I had accordion, I had mandolin, dobro, um, acoustic guitar. So I had two guitar players, you know, me and another guitar mm -hmm. player, and a keyboard player. Mm -hmm. Actually, Keith was my keyboard. Mm -hmm. And um, bass and drums. And, you know, it sounded like the record. Mm -hmm. But then after a few gigs, I was like, man, I can't afford to keep doing this. So we gotta, we gotta pare it down to a four piece. So I was like, who should I lose, the other guitar player or the keyboards? So I did one gig with the keyboard player and not the other guitar mm -hmm. player, and then I did one gig with the other guitar player and not the keyboard player. And, you know, I couldn't make up my mind which I liked better, and I just said, fuck it, I went back to a trio. <laughs> oh. Because it really, it's, it's I'm used to it. You know, right. that's what I played. The, the rookies. Uh, the rookies, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've played in power trios my whole life, and mm -hmm. especially with my brother on bass. Right. Um, it's really natural, and it's, you know, really economical. You get three guys in it. Minivan, minimal equipment. You could do a little tour, mm -hmm. but it's expensive to tour, especially in America. Mm -hmm. And but um, so I've been mainly um, touring in England, and Holland, and France, and Belgium, um, Scotland, a little bit Wales. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm over there with Michael, mm -hmm. I've done that the past nine years, mm -hmm. and so I kind of made more of a splash over in England uh, than I have in America, as far as playing live, mm -hmm. which is weird. Whatever, I'll take it. So what? Uh, they speak English. What? Um, <laughs> what? Uh, what would you like to see happen? What, what's What's your highest dream right now? 
would you say? Have I one? have no expectations anymore. That's good. That's good. I have no expectations. You know, as long as I can, you know, it takes me a little bit longer than most to make records because I'm doing so much. And besides, you know, the day job, you know, of playing You're with, a daddy. with Michael and, and other people around town. I'm going to be mm -hmm. playing some shows with uh, the great Robert Gordon mm -hmm. um, coming up soon. And um, you Yeah, know. you want to plug anything? Uh, well, I don't know where the gig is yet, so I'm, oh, not, gonna, okay. I'm not gonna plug it. But where can everybody find uh, your music? Well, actually, give a link? actually, uh, let's see. June first, I'm gonna okay. play. Joe, remember my Rockaway song that I just played? Yes. Uh, I'm gonna play with Joe Hurley's Irish Rock Review at Rockaway Beach on June first. That's so cool. Um, doing a Thin Lizzy song, of course, and um, that might be the next thing, and probably the last thing I'm doing in town. Before I leave for the summer, uh, I leave with Michael. Uh, with Michael, yeah, we go to we play some festivals in Spain, Finland, Japan, and then I'm back in August, and then I do the Robert Gordon gig, and then I start my new record. Nice. In the fall. What's uh, what can you tell us about that? What it's do you feel comfortable a, telling? It's going to be a rock and roll record. Mm -hmm. A real rock. It's going to be a rock and soul record. Nice. There's two really, two really nice like soulful, almost gospel, and I already know who, I don't want to mention names yet, mm -hmm. okay. just in case our schedules don't align, mm -hmm. but some, I have some really great people that uh, I'm calling, going to be calling on. <laughs> Excellent. Can you, uh, all right, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to. Yeah, wrap this thing up. We're going to wrap it up. So, 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 for an so, hour so play us, play us something out. Well, I know, I'm making you play again. You're making but me I'm, play again? I only came prepared with two songs. All right, and, and My next chords week, are shredded. I can't even remember <clears throat> who's on the show next week, but um, Allison Arker, I, I, I think, Little House on the Prairie, she was Nasty Nelly, um, is going to be with us next week, and we're going to be back in L.A., and I'm going to leave my daughter here. She's, she's got an apartment in Brooklyn, and she's going to be a New York actress, and oh my God, I'm going to miss her. But anyway, um, Steve, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, um, right? I adore you. Thank it's you. been... 35 it's years! It's been a lot of years! What are you talking about? It's been a lot of years! It's the B side of my single. Oh, nice. And uh, my pal Jesse Mallon sings it with me on the record. You might know it from a lady named Janice. Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all got Porsches.
my friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends at home. Been hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Come on, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Everybody, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Steve Conti. Thank you very much. Steve Conti, and I'll have a link for his music, and thank you so much. And thank you, Harry, for working the camera. Samantha, I love you. Congratulations, my graduate. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Peace. Game Changers.